0: Welcome to Spears Podcast, a boozy dive into mythology, legends, and folklore. Every week we pour a drink and learn about a new story from around the world. I'm Amanda. And I'm Julia. And this is episode 139,
1: Myth Movie Night, The Mummy. This is Amanda's first time watching The Mummy. I've, I love that we keep Iconic. picking films that you haven't seen before. Yeah, it's I, have, very important I have hardly seen any films. I hardly know what film is. <laughs> You're like a sweet, innocent babe when it
0: comes to film. It was entirely entertaining. I really enjoyed this film. However, if you don't like us talking about the, like, resoundingly poor effects of colonialism on the world, maybe not the episode for you. Not going to lie.
1: Nope. There's a lot of that. That's a lot of uh, us saying the opposite of Indiana Jones. So it doesn't belong in a museum. Please return it back to the place that it's supposed to be. Listen, Spears Podcast, show up for the ghosts, stay for
0: the restorative justice. That's all I'm saying. That's all we're here for. Julia, do you know who would never patron a museum with stolen artifacts? (laughs) Would it be our new patrons? Our new patrons! Jen, Cheyenne, Tristan, and Lynn Amanda. I, I really liked that transition. By the way, <laughs> Thank you good. so much. And uh, our supporting producer level patrons are those who totally become members of their museum's membership program. Philip, Eeyore, Skyla, Mercedes, Samantha, Danica, Marissa, Sammy, Josie, Neil, Jessica, and Phil Fresh, as well as our legend level patrons whose names are inscribed on the staircase of the Met, Ayla, Cody, Mr. Folk, James, Jess, Sarah, Sandra, Audra, and Jack Marie. You and I had the same idea for how to embody our legend-level patrons, and I appreciate it. Thanks. Speaking of which, we uh, are ordering this week the plaque for our Founders Wall here in the Multitude office. So excited about it. If you join the multi-crew at the Magnificence level, you too can get your name inscribed forever on the Multitudia wall.
1: Yes, and if you haven't signed up for Multi Crew, you probably haven't heard the first couple of episodes of Headhurt Gut. Head, Heart,
0: Gut today, actually, you can hear Julia defend her baby Squirtle, the gayest Pokemon, on the first round of Head, Heart Gut, which is all about debating the best Generation One Pokemon starter.
1: Yeah, you can hear Eric and Mike set me up for a trap and then deduct points because they set me up for a trap. Listen, it's, it's a very
0: ferocious debate, lovingly, with some rules and no stakes. So, you know, multitude.
1: Yeah, it's a Pokemon-eat-Pokemon Pokemon world out there, and it's rough. But Head Heart gut is hysterical and lovely.
0: And you can sign up for the Multi Crew now to get access to this member-exclusive show at
1: multicrew.club. Multicrew.club. You are so good with the new websites. I uh, love thanks. it so much. I try. I try. But speaking of which, you're so good with the drinks,
0: Julia. Please tell us, remind us again what we were drinking this delicious cocktail.
1: Well, we did a blood and sand. I mentioned it a little bit more in the episode, but it just seems really appropriate, just like it did for our Sekhmet episode. So I just wanted to dive right in there and get in the mood for everything. It does feature scotch, and this is one of the few scotch drinks I actually like. Yeah. So.
0: There we go. It also has the effect of making me picture uh, a lioness ripping men's Mm -hmm. throats out in the desert, which,
1: you know, it's a mood. A bonus for any cocktail. Amanda, Amanda, I have a question for you. Yes. Yes. What what you've been what you've been reading what you've been watching? Tell me about things. Oh, Julia,
0: I would love to tell you about the beautiful novel that I gobble gobble gobbled up, <laughs> *The Proposal* by Jasmine Guillory. This is uh, continuing my like rom com trend. It like it feels like YA in the best possible way. In the same way that *Red, White, and Royal Blue* does, where it's like. It's, like, lovely, it focuses on personalities, there's no, like, boring, you know, overly pretentious prose in there, only the sex is a little bit sexier. And it's absolutely wonderful. And uh, Guillory also does this like Sarah Dessen thing where the books are all set in a shared universe with the paths of the characters intersecting, which you know we love. Um, But each novel does stand on its own. And there are two more coming out in 2019 in this universe, like four books in this universe. It went from one to four in the course of a year. Like
1: Guillory knows we're fans. We need it. We need more books. Damn, that is incredible. I love your rom-com summer reads list. Thank you. It's totally wonderful. That's The Proposal by Jasmine Guillory. I also want to take a quick hot second because this trailer for this movie just dropped, but The Lighthouse by the same guy who did The Witch. Yes. And it's all in black and white, and it looks like it's a period nautical piece about Two dudes in a lighthouse, and it's horror, and I'm so excited for it. Oh, I got excited that
0: it was an adaptation of a Virginia Woolf's *The Lighthouse*, which is just a dismal, a dismal book about
1: aging. You know, I'm sorry, it's not that, but uh, there there were tentacles and probably a kraken in there, so you know, it's up our alley. Sounds great. Well, I'll be sure to check that out,
0: Julia, but not before enjoying *Spirits* podcast episode 139, Myth Movie Night: The Mummy.
1: So Amanda, I know this one is not a tight 90 for you, but this week we watched The Mummy. We
0: did. And my first note was, ooh, some 90s CGI, baby. Mm,
1: It's actually not bad CGI. All things considered. It's not awful,
0: but it is definitely like, oh, that's an animated, uh, you know, like maggoty mummy coming at me. Anyway, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. There were definitely some moments where I was like, whoops, it was the 90s. We were less aware than we are now, but it was fully entertaining and Brendan Fraser, Tall drink of water, man.
1: Yeah, this movie does go hard into the, oh, we'll just cast some white people as Egyptians. It's fine. but
0: Yeah, and like the, the looting and colonialism of like, quote unquote, like discovering things. It's, it's the and...
1: 1920s too at this point. It was.
0: Oh, is it really? I had no concept of time. Really? At all. I'm, yeah, so, yeah. I'm so
1: curious. Uh, first, <laughs> let's talk about our cocktail that we're having today, though. Yes, yes. So I chose the Blood and Sand for this episode. What a classic. I love it so much. It's it's so good, and it's also basically name-dropped in the film. Yeah, so there's, I thought that. There's a whole section, and I will quote it here, uh, that comes from Brendan Fraser. As Rick O'Connell, he says, My whole damn garrison believed in this so much that without orders, they marched halfway across Libya and into Egypt to find that city. And when we got there, all we found was sand and blood. So blood and sands for the cocktails. There you go. I think we drank this
0: for our lioness? Sekhmet. Sekhmet. Mm. So good. But it's delicious. I love it any time of year, especially good in summer. It's like a lighter take on a Manhattan, you know, or something you think of as being more autumnal or or wintry. I definitely think of
1: Manhattan's as autumnal and wintry. So I'm glad you said it.
0: Oh, yeah. No, but but the like the juice component, I think Mm. is just delicious. So yeah patrons of the uh, $4 level or above on patreon.com slash spirits podcast can uh, get that recipe delivered to you.
1: Oh, I wonder if we could next time do this with like a lighter juice, like a watermelon juice or something like Ooh. that to kind of lighten it up and make it more summery. Tangerine? Ooh, tan- Bro, blood orange. There we go. That's
0: Ooh. our answer. That's the one.
1: Found it. We're very good.
0: Well, we'll have to make that during our refill.
1: There we go. So, Amanda... Let's get into the the nitty gritty of this because there's a lot of there's a lot of playing with Egyptian mythology and history that is not accurate whatsoever. I will say this is one of Jake's favorite movies of all time. I see
0: it. I see it being so entertaining as I was watching it. I was thinking about how much Jake would enjoy these scenes and also how this would adapt itself to like a a ride at Universal or something. It is a ride at Universal. Oh, good. Okay. Yes. Because I was like, there are so many moments where I could see it being made into like an animatronic moment in a ride. Um, And listen, I enjoyed the movie. Even though there were there were moments where I was like, oh, not quite sure, I had a really fun time and it did not feel overly long. and there was some good some good content, so I can't wait to discuss.
1: yeah, it's definitely it's definitely an entertaining film, and it was definitely big 90s, early 2000s film. This franchise is how the rock got into acting. Is that true? I didn't know that. Yes, he was in a spinoff called The Scorpion King. Ooh, which he played the Scorpion King.
0: Well, that might be a good transition, Jules, to my first question, which is, why is everyone covered in gold paint?
1: <laughs> That's a great question. Let's start with the plot and then we'll get there, I suppose. Okay. <laughs> sure. So we we start the movie off with a flashback to Thebes, not the Greek city, the one in Egypt, which they call the City of the Living. And it's supposed to be 1290 BC. They show the Sphinx, which is definitely not located in Thebes. And they also show the Pyramids of Giza, which are also not located in Thebes. So that's interesting. Just fast and loose, Jules, fast and loose. (laughs) Just starting off real good. Take a
0: lot of coke, be a man in your mid-30s in L.A. in 1996, (laughs) and just get into the headspace.
1: So we're introduced to the high priest Imhotep, who they call the Keeper of the Dead, he is having a love affair with Aksunamen, who supposedly no other man was allowed to touch her. She was the mistress of Pharaoh Seti I. Not accurate. Again, she she wasn't. I think she ended up being the, the wife of uh, King Tut, but definitely not King Seti I.
0: Oh, but she was like a historical figure. She
1: was a historical figure. I'm like 90% cool. sure about that. Everyone here is named after a historical figure. They're just people who never would have historically met ever.
0: Gotcha. They like remixed it. And I I get the point with the Sphinx too, because in Greek mythology, didn't the Sphinx guard Thebes? So maybe they were kind of like playing with it by putting it outside the Egyptian city of Thebes, even though it's geographically not right.
1: Yes, that's interesting. I wouldn't have thought of that. Appreciate you. As you pointed out, Anxunamen. I'm going to pronounce her name wrong the entire movie. Anxunamen is uh, just covered in paint. For yep. some reason, also mm-hmm. there's there's no there's no nipples, so I'm glad that pasties were invented <laughs> in uh, twelve ninety BC.
0: Yeah, uh, for her though, I I get the painting because she has a little bit of an embrace with uh, Inhotep, the high priest, and then later when the pharaoh spots her, he sees a little bit of like. Of Like a smudge, smudge in her arm paint. And listen, it's very hot. Maybe she sweated, yeah. but he takes that as like evidence that someone has touched Maybe his property. Maybe
1: she touched her own arms. Maybe she did. Know. Maybe
0: she itched. Maybe there was like a scarab beetle because there are thousands of them apparently ready to eat your skin any time.
1: Yep. By the way, Imhotep from the sources I could find translates to he who comes in peace, which is an interesting thing to name your villain. Maybe originally. (laughs) But he was seemingly named after a chancellor of the pharaoh Zozer, who was later deified as the high priest of Ra in Heliopolis. Cool. So the pharaoh, as you pointed out, discovers the affair. Imhotep and Anxinamen assassinate him which is wild. Imhotep flees. Anksunaman, uh commits suicide, intending for Imhotep to resurrect her instead of her being taken by the Magi, which is the bodyguards of the pharaoh. So Imhotep and his priests steal her corpse and they travel to Humanrapcha, the city of the dead, which is also not actually a thing and is the name of an Indian city, not an Egyptian one. Uh, The resurrection ritual is stopped by Seti's guards, the Magi, as I said before. Not the Magi, because I was thinking like the wise men who came to Jesus. It's a different thing spelled differently. So Imhotep's priests were all mummified alive, while Imhotep himself was sentenced to suffer the homdai, which, according to the movie, is the worst of the Egyptian curses. So his tongue is cut out. He's buried alive with flesh-eating scarab beetles. So he's then... It does kind
0: of sound like the worst one, right?
1: Yes. So he... I I will get to the accuracy of that in a second. Okay, okay. uh, So he is then sealed away in a sarcophagus at the feet of the god anubis who is the god of the the mummification and partially the underworld uh, and is kept under strict surveillance by the magi to prevent his return so he's using during the resurrection thing the black book of the dead they called it which i i did a google too it's supposed to be made of pure obsidian which is nonsense yeah that's ooh. also the book of the dead is a it's a thing but it wasn't actually like a book it was a set of scrolls that had spells and passages as texts that were designed to help the dead navigate the afterlife
0: yes julia you know like uh book binding invented definitely uh Much in later. the bce era yeah I also, I love this idea that there could be like a single worst curse of like all of Egypt, which is like a, a, a civilization, you know, spanning thousands and thousands of years with like multiple eras and and religions and epics and oh, goodness.
1: So to answer the question that I'm sure is on everyone's mind about the humdai and the the living mummification. So mummification was a privilege. It wasn't like a yeah. thing that was done to everyone. So because it granted immortality in the afterlife, it granted you a life after death. And so, I'm assuming
0: extremely expensive. It took days and days and days. Yeah,
1: exactly. So you wouldn't do that to someone who was, you know, did a murder. You didn't. You didn't do that to someone who has assassinated your pharaoh. So uh, the humdai is basically nonsense. Other than the fact that being buried alive or decapitated were traditional ways of punishing someone who committed assassination, like emotep. So they wouldn't have mummified them. They would have just buried them alive or cut their heads off. Yeah. That
0: makes much more sense to me.
1: Also, in that scene, we see a bunch of people wearing Anubis heads. Like, all of the people doing mummification are wearing Anubis heads, which wouldn't happen because you only had one person wear the head at the time because they were embodying the god. And clearly, you oh, can't sure. have everyone doing that at the same time. Makes sense. So I'll also talk a little bit about the Medjai here. Just I'm I'm getting the like get this stuff out of the way now so that <laughs> we don't have to talk about it later. So the Medjai were a thing. They were a paramilitary police force uh, for pharaohs since the New Kingdom. Uh, interestingly, though, the Medjai didn't exist after 1077, which is you know less than 200 years after this movie is supposed to take place, which is interesting to say the least. So mm-hmm. there was no mention of them after that period. Uh, During the 18th dynasty, they were known to protect the royal palaces and tombs of Thebes, but uh, they could be found all across the Egyptian kingdom. So that's a little interesting fun fact about the Mejai. After all of this stuff goes down and Imhotep has been buried and whatnot, uh, we flash forward to 1923, I believe. That makes sense. Definitely.
0: Like, hey, if if we can just like go to any country and just take stuff. And that's
1: called discovery. (laughs) God, it's the worst. And we we open with the French Foreign Legion fighting some sort of native force. I'm not entirely sure what's going on here because, like, as, I was not as either. much research as I did, there was no armed conflict in this area at this time. There's nothing going on. The French Foreign Legion wouldn't have been fighting anyone. There's also no explanation why as to Brendan Brager, a.k.a. Rick O'Connell, is fighting with the French Foreign Legion. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, none at all. And my, my general assumption was that it was kind of, uh, you know, like looting versus local, um, either protectors or local looters. Yeah. And, like, And everyone just wants to get, get in on this and yes. they're fighting it out. And or like maybe French colonizers are here to like try to, you know, claim land or claim stuff. And uh, folks in the area are like, no, thank you.
1: Yes. And they're fighting at the site of Humanraptcha, which is the city that the city of the dead, according to the movie. Mm hmm. And I genuinely forgot how high the body count in this film is just right off the bat. It's a lot. It's a lot. And I also forgot how big an asshole Benny was. I was like, you you figure it out later because he does some real, real gnarly things. But right off the bat, he is a dick. Yeah. Um, So Brendan Fraser is leading these troops because the um, lieutenant or whatever ran away. Um, He is not having a very good day. He is saved uh, when he decides to take shelter right underneath the statue of Anubis where Imhotep is buried and it scares off of the native people the sand kind of turns into a sort of face with a gaping mouth and Rick gets the hell out of there uh and yeah the Magi- Julia
0: excuse me excuse me yes. uh wind sand faces no no thank you don't like it don't want it that's where you extremely line, bad huh?
1: extremely that's bad starting no, off no, real no. strong we saw people literally get mummified alive and get covered in scarabs before. But this is where Amanda draws the line.
0: Yeah, it's just I I do not like that idea of things that don't have faces suddenly rising up with unseen forces and getting faces.
1: Just hates the elementals. I
0: gotcha. While we're in the sidebar of my own creation, by the way, <laughs> I would love as I was watching this battle happening, I was like, I have no idea what the mechanics are of actually doing this battling. Like, ha- like, do you just run at each other? Do you start on go? Like, every time I see a, you know, Henry V style battle or a, like, Game of Thrones finale battle, which actually that one was interesting because you started with, like, arrows and then you did other stuff. Mm. Anyway, but if anybody has good book recommendations on, like, the mechanics of, of pre-World War II war, I'm interested on it because... I'm interested in it because I want to get a jump on my like retired dad who only reads war nonfiction phase.
1: Oh, God. But the retired dads, they only read World War Two because that's the real shit. So I'm getting a jump on it, Julia. I got to go deeper. Appreciate it. Good, good, good. That sounds really interesting and a good question that I don't really have the answer to or is not relevant to the conversation for the rest of this No, movie. not
0: relevant at all. We'll talk about relevant. It. Brendan Fraser, tall drink of water. Man, he looks great just diving around. Those, like, pot shot explosive um, effects are super cool. And the sand is really photogenic. Like, it's just, it's very beautiful. And even though, like, if you can, if you can for a moment put aside, like, body count is high, concept is problematic. It is entertaining to watch for sure.
1: Um, Also, this was the movie that he did right after doing George of the Jungle.
0: And he was just, like, so
1: hot then.
0: He was extremely hot. And I realized as I watched this that that I'd never seen him just, like right out of the shower like i've always seen him either very dusty or highly oiled <laughs> and that is a weird <laughs> a weird thought to we have. see him
1: he like gets out of prison later and we see him like dolled up for the first time yes. and we're like mm, yes acceptable yeah
0: but no he's he's wonderful and, and his activism too in um in recent years around mm-hmm. assault and like speaking out it's just he's a he's a wonderful human being and i wish him happiness and satisfaction in life
1: we stand brendan fraser on this podcast
0: Correct. absolutely
1: Uh, So the Mejai are watching Rick leave the city and they decide that the creature remains undisturbed so they're just going to let him go and they're like should we kill him before he leaves and they're like the desert will kill him it's fine.
0: I mean, fair assumption, but also this happens again later on too. like classic bad guy. You, you have to you have to end it like they come back later and they say, OK, everybody now clear out in the next day. And
1: I'm like, no,
0: they chase no, them away. They're right not going to listen to you.
1: They're white men. They're white adventurers. <laughs> God. Um, oh, very true. We then cut to our next scene where we meet the best character in the entire film, who is my yes. entire heart and soul, Evie, a.k.a. Julia, that's fucking Rachel Weiss. I know. She's so amazing. Hot. This movie is just like a bisexual nightmare for me because everyone is very attractive.
0: <laughs> it super is. And like, she looks like such a baby gay. Like, wait until, honey, you see yourself in the favorite. You're such a badass. You're Ugh. a babe. You're going to go from those 90s penciled brows to like the full natural so beauty. Good. Oh, she's so wonderful. And I do appreciate that she's just obviously a hot librarian. Like, they pan up from the feet. And I'm like, well, obviously she's going to be hot. Like, that's that's the end of the shot. Um, And there is there is a ton of like extremely funny, talking to herself, like latter humor. She is so charismatic. Like she really, really is. She's
1: got good physical comedy too. Very good
0: physical comedy. Um, and then as I texted you during my viewing of the film, uh, I think it's a step too far to have the entire library cataloging system just destroyed in one fell swoop.
1: I, I was saying that there's no reason those shelves shouldn't be stabilized in some way. Yeah, And also set up in a domino effect. That just seems like poor planning.
0: Uh, it's, it's very sad. But that does draw out her boss at the, the um, library slash archive, who is not Jeff Goldblum.
1: No, he's not. He has some very good lines, though. He does. He goes, compared to you, the other plagues were a joy. And she's like, oh, it was an accident. He goes, when <laughs> Ramses destroyed Syria, that was an accident. You are a catastrophe. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God. That's such Extremely surprise. good.
0: This is Eric Avery. Yes. He is just a He's wonderful actor. What other stuff. What, what Known else from Mr. Deeds. There? Yeah, With tells me.
1: Yes. <laughs> you and would Independence know him from Mr. And Stargate. He's like, why do I keep you around? Evie's like, I do so many things. I can read all, all the languages. And i like, you tell him. You tell him. Don't let that man tell you that you're not qualified. Go.
0: Yeah. No, she, she does great kind of advocacy for herself. And then when he sort of like dismisses her anyway, she storms off. And uh, there's just like a shitload of mummies back there, man.
1: Yeah, because, you know, it was a museum and that's what they did back then, I guess. So we, we meet her brother, Jonathan, who is taking a nap in one of the sarcophaguses with the with the mummy. Yeah, Sarcophagi- just
0: destroying archaeological evidence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, um, He gives her this cool thing that he found, quote unquote, found. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of stealing in this movie, both culturally and physically stealing from other people.
0: John Hanna, by the way, the actor who plays her brother, is so famous and so Scottish. And it is extremely funny to see him play like a stereotypical Englishman. Yes. Um, a couple of times you can kind of hear the Scottish accent come out. And I love that I just had that context because he, he comes off as like a huge dick when we first meet him. Yes. But I get kind of endeared to him over the course of the film.
1: Yeah. So we discovered that this box has a map in it and it's a map that will lead them to Hamunaptra
0: as i said oh no don't open the box oh no it's a map oh no that's worse
1: also she opens this map that's supposed to be over 3000 years old yeah. and just kind of snaps it open i'm like girl holy
0: you would definitely have on your linen gloves and or or cotton gloves and like also it is so vibrant and that's just like the egyptians rolled paper they didn't fold it
1: yeah no i'm just like oh no that's nonsense so she shows it to the curator who accidentally burns it quote unquote accidentally we find we find out later he's one of the Medjays, so he didn't want them going to the place.
0: Yeah, but even as just like a, a, a curator who is there and knows what's what's like good and bad for himself, that was an extremely good move. It was like the first smart decision uh of, of the whole film so far.
1: Yeah, no, it was good. It was like it was very well planned. I appreciate it. So they decide they want to find out how to get to the city now that their map is partially destroyed. And so Jonathan reveals that he stole the box from Rick O'Connell, American adventurer, mm-hmm. uh, who had discovered the city three years earlier while with the French Foreign Legion. Um, Jonathan's just a drunk mess, 90% of this film, which is great. Genuinely just spirits vibes all around. Yep. So they go to a local prison where um, Rick is being held, and they're not very specific as to why he's being held in the prison. They said he was looking for a good time and he found it. I was like, oh no, don't know what that means. Don't like it. Yep. Don't like the implications. So Rick makes a deal with Evelyn that uh, he will lead them there if they. Are able to get him released from prison. However, he is scheduled to be uh, hung or hanged that day. I always forget which one is grammatically correct. So Evie convinces the warden of the prison that they'll give him 25% of the uh, HumaNoptra treasure in exchange for Rick's life, which he agrees to, and he shows up the next day to, you know, make sure that his investment goes through. So they decide they are boarding a boat, I guess, either up or down the Nile. I'm not sure which direction they went in. We see that the boat is being approached by the Mejai, Uh, Jonathan is up there hanging around with some American adventurers who are also heading to the hidden city as well, uh, saying they have a guy that's been there before and Rick looks suspicious. Evie reveals to Rick that she has been looking for the book of Amun-Ra, which is again, not a thing. It's made out of pure gold. That's not why she wants it. She's just a good, good librarian who really wants to discover books and I appreciate her. Mm -hmm. The American guide is revealed to be Benny, the asshole from earlier, uh, who Rick then tosses overboard but he notices water marks on the deck, meaning someone has come out of the water and come on board.
0: Yes, extremely scary. And of course we have our obligatory shot of Rachel Weiss in lingerie um, as she is getting ready for bed. And then we turn around and, oh, nope, scary guy in a black robe.
1: Yeah, it's the Mejai, they are in Evie's room. They're looking for the map and the key, which they don't realize that the puzzle box is a key yet. Uh, Rick shows up to save her. He causes chaos in the process because he basically lights the boat on fire. Jonathan tries to grab the key slash box as the ship begins to burn down. There's a fantastic shot as they're fleeing where there's a big gunfight and stuff like that. And uh, Rick is reloading his gun as bullets start to get closer and closer. And Evie at the last second pulls him out. He's just extremely calm. And then Evie pulls him out of the way. And he like looks at her like, what? I had it. she's like, no, you would have died.
0: It was so good. And like, while. While I'm, I sort of want to resist the like, oh, he like kissed her unconsensually and she's gonna like fall for him anyway. Okay, we it's happening. I skipped but, right out
1: over it, to be fair. <laughs>
0: I mean, yes, but also uh, extremely sexy as he like unrolls his ammo roll. Not gonna lie.
1: They have very good chemistry. Genuinely. They do. As the, the movie progresses, they have very good chemistry. And in the sequel, they're married and have a child. Aww. And it is Aww. like the most like marriage goals movie I think I've ever seen in my entire life.
0: Wow, I think I will actually have to watch that. Yeah. I also really loved his line, I only gamble with my life, never my money. Respect, man. Very really good. appreciate that. Yeah. yeah.
1: So they all wind up going overboard. Uh, Jonathan is in the possession of the key, which is good because they'll need that later. Yeah, I
0: didn't see them grab it, but I'm glad that they did because there were a couple sort of like near misses as they had to leave it behind.
1: Yeah, I agree. They wind up on a different side of the river from Benny and his American adventurers. Benny has all of the horses because someone was smart and grabbed all the horses from below deck. Uh, Rick and their crew, however, are on the right side of the river, so they don't have to cross it again. They, yeah, they're where it was, they needed to be.
0: It was, ex- I mean, like, listen, this is an action movie that was definitely trying to like go for the laughs plus the action. But yes. I enjoy that. There were some good moments of humor. It felt actually a lot to me reminiscent of the modern superhero movies that yes. we are all enjoying, I was just where there is like good old fashioned shoot 'em ups. There is genuine character development. There's like a, a you know larger plot that we're going after, and then there are there are just like nice laughter moments.
1: Yeah. So they end up in a nearby town. They buy some camels and they set off. Uh, The Mejai are watching as they approach the city but decide to do nothing. I don't know why. The two groups that are heading to Hamanrapcha meet up and the city is revealed when the sun rises. Beautiful. Which I was reading an interesting article that was pointing out, they're like, why would the city of the dead be revealed when the sun is rising in the east when the the Egyptians associate the West with the dead. I was like, good fucking point. Good point, y'all. So the two groups race to the city to settle a bet that that was placed on the boat about, like, who would get there first. Uh, Evie wins it for them, because of course she does. She's fantastic. Uh, In the city, they start excavating the site. Evie is able to light up one of the mummy preparation chambers by using sun-catching mirrors, which is very cool and like, historically accurate i appreciate that is it
0: i was gonna ask it is very cool and much better than the national treasure like fire to the torch uh treasure reveal
1: i mean like yeah it's so classically everyone used fire and torches and they use it later on in the film but i really like the idea of the egyptians understood the power of the sun so of course they're going to use the mirrors and you know use that light as a way of you know lighting up their world
0: well i thought it was extremely neat
1: yeah They reach the foot of the Anubis statue where Evie thinks that the Book of Amun-Ra is located based on her studies. The Americans also show up at the same time and they kind of have this like showdown where Evie is like, okay, I know that there's like she's kind of sussed out there's a chamber underneath that. So they're going to go dig elsewhere, she tells the crew. And so they go to a chamber underneath and decide to dig up instead of digging down like the other crew is doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, Meanwhile, the warden sneaks off and steals a bunch of these scarab gems that are on a wall. Uh, The Americans attempt to open up a compartment beneath the statue and the diggers that they have do it are burned with acid, salt acid. Like a booby trap. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm a.
0: I'm not extremely happy to know that. Uh, that salt acid is a thing. Yeah. Besides, like the beginning of Samin uh wonderful cookbook and TV show, but the. <laughs> The, I just, I don't want to live in a world where that's actually a thing.
1: I'm sorry. I didn't mean to ruin your, <laughs> ruin your
0: worldview. Oh, that's okay, Julia. I visited my mom at her workplace this past weekend at the beach. She's a professional lifeguard. It's it's very neat. And there's an adorable little frog sitting next to me in my chair. I looked on the little little froggy guy there in the shade with me. I was like, oh, wow, those terrible Frog, yes. Like, do your thing, babe. And then later, one of her colleagues jumped up. And I was like, oh, a frog? And he was like, no, sand spider. And I was like, oh, Don't no. like that. Don't like that. <laughs> How did I grow up for 27 years on an island and not know that sand spiders were a thing?
1: Nope, nope, nope. I don't want to think about it anymore. Thank you for that. <laughs> All right.
0: Move it on. Think of um, think of Brandon Fraser's pecs. Okay, yes. Uh, okay.
1: Thank God. Uh, so Rick and his crew accidentally managed to get to Imhotep's sarcophagus. It just kind of falls out of the ceiling while they're talking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, the warden while he's he's looting elsewhere, drops the scarab gem in the sand and it turns into an actual scarab beetle that then digs into his skin and kills him. Mm-hmm. They read on the sarcophagus that the name of the person buried in there is he that shall not be named because it's Voldemort, apparently.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Evie realizes that their puzzle box is actually the key and is about to use it to open up the lock, but is distracted by the dying screams of the warden.
0: Cause, yeah. Of course. Also, why... Why are we doing this? Why are we doing this? Why are we going to open a sarcophagus that obviously looks cursed? Why are we going to use this key that was deliberately stored somewhere else to do this? Like, I, It's also an awful lot of ceremony for a guy that killed a pharaoh. Like surely lots of people killed lots of pharaohs over yes. the years. And like you were saying earlier, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me to like venerate and immortalize him in this way.
1: I agree. Um, 100%. Also, they're, they're doing all of this because they're dumb white people. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. you, you know that you, we love on. moving into haunted houses That's subjecting true. subjecting all of our families to getting possessed, that kind of thing. Fair. Typical. That, later that night, they wonder about how he died. They find some great Glenlivet in his bag, and they start <laughs> drinking it, and then the Mejai attack, because why not? Yep. The Mejai warn them, leave this place or die, and now they have one day to leave, again pointing out the flaw that the Mejai have, where they should actually be doing things rather, yes, than, they should. rather than just letting white men take reign for another day anyway.
0: I mean maybe they're they're being merciful and kind of restrained if they have truly been around for three thousand years, like maintaining that descendantship and and the stewardship of this area. Mm-hmm. Clearly they're not just like you know slashing and burning anytime someone comes close to them right. but at the same time like these folks clearly don't know what is good for them and um yeah they they definitely should have just chased them out or escorted them away
1: yeah that would have been the smart thing to do but then we would have no plot so Evie gets drunk on that Glenlivet and uh, tells the story about her history how her parents were explorers her mother was Egyptian her father was English and she has this great line she goes But I'm proud of what I am. And Brenda Frasier goes, and what is that? She goes, I am a librarian.
0: I would say that every day if I had the the God-given honor to be a librarian. Oh,
1: it's so true. Oh, Oh, so wonderful. I I also definitely
0: have a headcanon that um, John Hanna insisted they use Glenlivet, which is a a wonderful Scottish whiskey. That's
1: probably correct. That's why he's drinking it straight from the bottle. It's fantastic so the next day the americans open up the statue of anubis they find a box with a curse on it i wrote down the whole curse are we ready for this
0: i think i might have to first get a refill is that okay
1: oh yeah hell yeah let's go get a refill and then i'll tell you about a curse amanda you know how you love cooking at home but sometimes there's just dishes that you want real bad and you can't recreate in your own kitchen. So you got to order it out, right? Absolutely. I my, my pad thai game is strong, not as strong as ordering in. That's true. Well, thankfully, you can order in with DoorDash. So DoorDash connects you with all your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering is super easy. You just open up the DoorDash app, you choose what you want to eat, and then the dasher brings it right to you. So wherever you are, your food's coming to you. I'm also moving uh, today, Julia, so I have yes. been really hitting
0: up that DoorDash because all my dishes are packed.
1: Absolutely. And it's it's easier that way, too. I, I love the ease of DoorDash. So not only is that awesome pad thai place that you want available on DoorDash, but over 310,000 other amazing restaurants are too. So DoorDash connects you with door-to-door delivery in over 3,300 cities and all 50 states across the United States and Canada. So don't worry about dinner tonight, Amanda. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. And right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when they download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code SPIRITS. Beautiful. That's DoorDash in the app store and use the promo code SPIRITS at checkout for $5 off. Yep. Again, promo code Spirits, $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Thank you, DoorDash. I want that pad time now.
0: Well, we're going to have to pause for uh, just a couple minutes more because our next sponsor is something I rely on all the time as a small business owner. It's Honeybook. And if you run your own business, whether that's like a side gig you do a couple hours a week or a small business full fledged that you run as your job, you are used to doing it all. But if you're struggling to get through your to do list and like dreading those administrative tasks, Honeybook can help. I certainly did not picture sitting at my laptop. Yelling at my accounting software as I try to reconcile all the invoices on the last day of the month, which today is. But Honeybook is an online business management tool that helps. It helps you organize your client communications, your bookings, your contracts, your invoices all in one place. And it makes it really simple to just run your business better. It looks super professional. It saves you time and makes you look even more legit than you already are with like e-signatures, automation, all those templates. It makes you look good and helps you keep on track.
1: Yeah, honestly, Amanda does such amazing work with all of our your business stuff. I don't even know the correct terms for it, as you can <laughs> Thank tell. You. But HoneyBook has, I know, been helping you quite a bit with all of that. It sure has. And right now, HoneyBook is offering
0: our listeners half off 50% off when you visit honeybook.com spirits. That's also a flexible discount code. So whether you pay monthly or annually, get 50% off at honeybook.com spirits. Again, that is honeybook.com spirits and you get 50% off. And Julia, we're finally sponsored this week by Skillshare. And um, I was on a call with a client the other day who was asking for some help in like thinking about their podcast, making sure they're on the right track for sustainability, you know, going forward in the future. And I was really happy to refer them to the free resource of my Skillshare class, all about podcast marketing. And it very much is something that all of us in Multitude have contributed to in that. Like This really summarizes a lot of the lessons that we have come to really believe in and talk about over the course of our few years in podcasting, about stuff like how you have to treat your kind of peers, the people who run shows similar to yours, like colleagues and not competition, how on social media, the best way to grow the show and reach an audience is to be genuinely friendly, to contribute to your community instead of trying to take stuff away from it. It's stuff that we have discovered together over the last four years and stuff that I'm super happy to teach other folks about in the course of their podcast marketing.
1: Yeah, and Skillshare is great because not only is it offering Amanda's amazing class on podcast marketing, but it's an online learning community for creators, and they now have over 25,000 classes that will help fuel your curiosity, creativity, and your career. Absolutely. And you can get access to every single
0: class that Skillshare has to offer by joining Skillshare Premium. And you can get two months
1: for free by going to Skillshare.com Spirits2. Yep. Again, that is Skillshare.com Spirits2 for two free months of Skillshare. Two free months of learning. All right. Go ahead and uh, and learn something new. Thanks, Skillshare. Now let's get back to the show. OK, we're back, Amanda. We we've I'm made fortified. our... We've made our blood and sands with blood orange juice this time. We ran down to the bodega and they had some. It's great. It's delicious. A plus. So let me tell you about this curse that the the Americans found and they still open the box like idiots.
0: Now, Julia, I will permit you to read this curse because you are not reading from a book of the dead outside the sarcophagus of a definitely cursed, like primeval power.
1: Correct. And we're not going to open the box that is telling Mm -hmm. us about this curse. Okay, let's do it death will come on swift wings to whomsoever opens this chest okay whomsoever really in I ancient know, that's, egyptian oh, god it's not i mean it could have
0: been taking some some kind of translation liberties but yeah whomst yeah. indeed
1: there is one the undead who if brought back to life is bound by sacred law to consummate this curse he will kill all who open this chest and assimilate their organs and fluids and in doing so he will regenerate and no longer be the undead but a plague upon this earth
0: assimilate their organs yep, the and fluids the
1: best part
0: the best part the best part i mean probably like why couldn't it be absorbed? are they are they just ugh, They're oh, gonna boy. oh boy assimilate it
1: it's it's theirs now
0: it's it's extremely poetic and evocative. I think it's it's a great piece of writing, but mm. it's just like, it's squirmingly specific. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, back. So they open it up, obviously, and they find the book inside. Yeah. And uh, also the, oh, they're like Copic. Uh, I, I kept calling them vessels in my notes. But the, the things that you would put the organs in during mummification. Exactly. They're like, ooh, treasure. And they're really happy with that. Yeah. They're like the vessels. So back at the sarcophagus of Emotep, which we don't know is Emotep yet. It's fine. Uh, Evie points out that the sacred spells have been chiseled off, which means, you know, these are spells that would help a person into the afterlife kind of navigate what their next steps are. And this is actually a legit thing. So I've seen sarcophagi where instead of the open eye of Ra, which is mm-hmm. allows the, you know, the either the Ka, I think, I think it's the Ka to you know leave i've seen closed eyes of raw which are basically trap the person in the sarcophagus so they can't leave it
0: now what is the logic here of putting so much time and expense into mummifying somebody if you don't want them to proceed to the afterlife i don't
1: know i don't get it it's, it's that's the point of the movie <laughs> also bad. i'm pretty
0: sure that you would have carved the sarcophagi to order right <laughs> like yeah. wouldn't you because again this is probably in reality not being done very often at all. So it would make sense that you kind of put it together to order and either it's blank or has a big X on it, you know, or yeah. th- I mean, for, for chiseling it off is a really interesting observation and something that would make sense that she would notice, um, even if they don't put together the sort of like uh, disastrous consequences yes. of it yet. Um, but that that was really neat and made me, made me give little, little goosebumps because I was like, oh, yeah. oh, no.
1: I mean, at one point she says either this was someone really important or someone did very something very naughty. And I was like, it's the later one, you know it. Uh, yeah. So they open up the sarcophagus and they comment on how the body is still, as the boys say, juicy.
0: It sure is, Julia. And And Evie is always like, I hate it when these things do that. Like, really? Do you have like theatrically pressurized mummy reveals often? I guess. Oh, but Julia, please tell me how they made this juicy mummy. It looked horrifying and great. And I want to know if it was like practical effects or if you know anything about how this was done.
1: It was definitely practical effects because later on when we see... Uh, Imhotep be regenerated and revitalized. He's much drier as CGI than he is as physical jelly zombie.
0: Yeah, but he looks absolutely he looks so bad. I almost couldn't look at him. And that's a great effect.
1: It was very good. Yeah. Uh, So they find that inside the sarcophagus with his fingernails, Imhotep has carved the phrase, death is only the beginning. Fantastic. He sure did.
0: And like the fingernail marks on the inside of the coffin are horrible still.
1: (laughs) Meanwhile, as they as they're leaving for the evening, Evie sees that the scholar that is with the Americans has found the Black Book of the Dead. And so as he falls asleep, she steals it from him and opens it using the key because, yeah, of course she does.
0: Not um, a secure campsite whatsoever.
1: As she does so, she says the phrase, no harm ever came from reading a book, which Evie, Evie, please. You know better, girl. Evie, please. So she reads from the book. She awakens Imhotep, as well as summoning a whole plague of locusts. Yep. One of the Americans becomes Velma from Scooby-Doo, because he can't see without his glasses as they fall off as they run from the locusts. He is cornered by Emotep, who then takes the man's eyes and tongue it's a good place to start. You need those. Evie falls through a trap door and discovers that the man is now missing his eyes and tongue. Uh, she faces down Emotep, who thinks that she is his lost love. Ooh, that's not good. Rick shoots him, and then they run, and outside they're face to face with the Mejai. So Benny is left behind, but manages to ally himself with Emotep because they can both speak a common language, which is Hebrew. Mm-hmm. That was a really interesting scene too, where he's just going through different, you know, prayers and chants to see which one will help him. Mm-hmm. Which is yeah. very much allies with the the character description of just yeah. I mean, as a I whole.
0: I get it. That's the that's the uh, not Pascal's wager, but someone's wager, right? Like you, the the sort of best uh logically attitude toward religion is Mm -hmm. to believe in the afterlife because (laughs) exactly yeah like if if it works out then great and if not you sort of haven't lost much Uh, but I I thought it was really interesting and kind of tactical as well
1: yeah so to Benny Emotep reveals that he's looking for those vessels that the Americans took he has one he needs the other four
0: I will say those Americans dress extremely well and Uh I would definitely Want to dress like all of them.
1: You know what? I said the same thing to myself. I was like, yeah, I'd wear all of those outfits except the one guy who had like kind of like the weird, like stunty tie. That's true. the He's the last one to die of the Americans. I was like, yeah, I could take it or leave it. Without the tie, it's a very good look though. So, meanwhile, Rick wants to get out while they can while Evie feels responsible and insists that they have to do something because she's a very good person and we love her. She is. Uh, Emotep goes after Burns, which is the one he's already taken eyes and a tongue from. Uh, Meanwhile, while they're at a bar, uh, all the liquid is turned to blood, which lets them know that Emotep is nearby. Let's talk about this for a second. Let's talk about how Emotep brings the plagues from Exodus.
0: Yeah, he apparently brings like the ten plagues down upon them. He has the uh, the the well originally, of course, the rivers running red, but I mm-hmm. guess fountains and water does as well. Sure, but it was a uh, interesting. Even their
1: alcohol, their alcohol turned to blood.
0: Yeah, and uh, it was an interesting nod, I guess, to you know ten plagues and and all that.
1: Yeah, it's it was interesting. I'm not sure how I feel about kind of mixing these classic Egyptian mythology and folklore themes with like Passover. Yeah. I don't know about it. I have weird feelings about it. But either way, it's happening. We're just going to deal with it and move on. Here we go. Uh, Emotep is revealed to be more formed now because he has sucked the life energy out of Burns. Uh, He has like actual muscle mass and whatnot like no no skin yet but there's like kind of muscle there
0: yeah it is kind of a cool progression as he as he gets more energy and becomes more uh like corporeal
1: yes but Emotep is scared away by the presence of Evie's cat uh according to the movie it's because they're guardians of the underworld which they're not guardians of the underworld but um but Bast was a goddess of protection and whatnot so it makes sense kinda I don't know we'll see
0: yeah, and weren't cats like really present in religious and like cultural practice in ancient Egypt?
1: Yeah, Bast was an incredibly important goddess, and she was associated with cats. Yeah, and like good stuff like fertility and power, yes. justice. Yes. The the good the good girl. Meanwhile, Imhotep collects another one of the jars. He kills the Egyptologist, the the scholar that was with the Americans, uh, and unleashes a swarm of flies that attack the crowd. Fun, very exciting. Yep. The remaining two Americans hide out, but one is killed by Imhotep in the form of a sandstorm, which is a very cool death. Really liked that one. He then enters Evie's bedroom in the form of sand, like fucking Zeus. Mm -hmm. Don't appreciate it. uh, And kisses her while she's sleeping. There's a lot of non-consensual kissing of Evie in this film, and I don't like it. Rick bursts in. He uses the cat again to scare him away. And uh, they, they move on. So Emotep has also created this army of brainwashed folks that are going after the survivors. Uh, and also he wants to capture Evie because he wants to use her as part of the sacrifice to bring back his uh, loved one. Evie realizes that the scholars, the, the Egyptian scholars in uh, England, have messed up where the location of the two books is. So they were able to find the uh, the Black Book of the Dead, but she's looking for the Book of Amun-Ra. Uh, mm-hmm. And that one is in the Statue of Horus instead. So nice, the, uh, they're fleeing from this hotel or whatever that they're staying at. The last American is taken by Imhotep during the chase. So he is now kind of fully in looking good he's looking good he's in human form now there's no (laughs) holes in his body anymore um they are cornered by Imhotep Evie corrects Benny's translations Benny's ancient Egyptian
0: it's so satisfying which
1: is very very funny and very good and I really appreciate it uh Evie offers herself up to Imhotep so that the rest of the crew can escape and get the book of Amun-Ra to kind of stop Imhotep Uh, The curator is killed in the process of them escaping, which is sad. Don't like that. Oh, Sorry, bud. Uh, Then they go to Winston, who is a former British air captain who is looking for fame and glory and is just plain bored. And they convince him very easily to take them to Hamanaptra.
0: Yeah, we met him in the bar uh, in one of the previous nights, or I guess that same night? I I don't recall.
1: Yeah, it was the night where all the blood exactly All the drinks became oh yeah,
0: yeah yeah so i saw him earlier then when when they were just drinking and trying to forget um and i was like oh well this man's face has been lingered on for too long like clearly he's going to be useful to the plot in some way and indeed he is able to fly them uh, closer to the statue and then dies when yeah. we have another awful awful face wind uh contraption please stop it's bad
1: uh, it probably would have killed all of them, but Evie breaks Emotep's concentration for the cool magic spell that he's creating with the sandstorm Hell by yeah. kissing him. Yes, Love good it. Job, Use those girl. feminine wiles. I appreciate you. So the plane is ruined. Uh, all of the main characters survive except Winston, who is sucked into the ground by quicksand along Sorry, with the plane. Bud. Sorry, bud. Back in the city, one of the scarabs manages to get into Jonathan, but Rick is quick to cut it out of him, which is
0: horrible, horrible, but
1: also glad he's not dead. Uh, However, this alerts Emotep to their presence, and he sends all of his living mummies after them, who the living mummies are basically like his priests that were also mummified alive with him, I think, supposedly?
0: Yes. All those all those gold painted friends. Yes, all the gold painted no, no, no. friends <laughs> who are no longer
1: covered in gold. The crew though, I'm just gonna keep calling them the crew, the three yeah. the three remaining men. They just find the room with all the gold in it. You know, the, the treasure room or what have you. The room yeah. with the gold. Again, not yours for the taking, guys. Keep walking. Nope. Uh and then the mummies start attacking them. So uh that's not great for them. Um, I kind of zoned out a little bit because the action sequences don't hold my attention very often.
0: Yeah, it was it was extremely actiony. Uh, I'm I'm fine to kind of hit on the high points here. There were some very good like Dementor CGI of like the cloak and kind of smoky like
1: servants mm-hmm.
0: um, of Inotep, and it was really very good.
1: Evie is meanwhile tied down to the sacrifice table. Uh, her body is going to be used to bring back uh, Anksunamen. The boys are managed to find the Book of Amunra in the Horus statue. Imotep starts his ritual. Jonathan interrupts it, distracting Imhotep with the fact that he has the Book of Amun-Ra. And meanwhile, Rick is dispatching mummies, is able to partially free Evie. Um, At one point, there's mummies crawling on the wall like Spider-Man, and I was so confused. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jonathan attempts to read the uh, Book of Amun-Ra, Uh, but they can't get it open so he manages to steal the Black Book of the Dead instead and get control of the mummies. Uh, Which is also very funny because he doesn't read Egyptian, so uh, Evie is basically translating with him while she's doing battle with Anxanaman's mummy. Mm-hmm. It's very, very cool and very funny. Jonathan is able to get the mummies to attack Anksunamun's body, which basically they, they kill her, interrupting the uh, process. And Rick goes after Imhotep after Evie opens the Book of Amun-Ra. So opening the Book of Amun-Ra, she, we see this ghostly chariot ride through and take Imhotep's soul. It, that's not how... Egyptian afterlife works, but they took his quote-unquote soul uh, to the underworld. Presumably, it makes Imhotep mortal, uh, and he is stabbed by Rick. He falls into that weird, creepy soul water stuff and reverts back to his mummified form before slipping under, saying to them, "Death is only the beginning." Because you know,
0: indeed, Motif's got to come back.
1: That intense circle have to have to circle back around to it. Meanwhile, Benny's been looting this whole time, which is typical benny uh he activates a trap however which starts to sink the entire temple into the ground sucks not good uh Mm -hmm. jonathan loses the book because he trips and just drops it into the water and evie's like what did you do but the boys grab her and pull her away benny is trapped inside the temple with all of the gold that he ever wanted of course the scarabs surround him and presumably kill him and the city is destroyed big time as our heroes escape and the movie ends with rick and evie kissing
0: and Evie, unfortunately, because she has some kind of like fucked up like <laughs> wedding night, the, the bridal dress in black has to ride side saddle on that camel. Which I, I was like watching her hold on to the saddle horn and just imagining how tightly Rachel Wise was grabbing onto so that you, because I it looks real. Okay. I think I think they were really riding that camel. Like yeah,
1: whew. yeah. Rachel Wise probably learned how to ride a camel, and I'm really proud of her.
0: You know, Juliet, Sometimes you gotta ride the camel.
1: Sometimes you just gotta ride that camel, though.
0: (laughs) That's my takeaway.
1: So, Amanda, what was your general opinion of uh, The Mummy from 1999?
0: You know, I enjoyed it. I think it did not age well in some respects, but the action was entertaining. It kind of hit a lot of similar notes to um, Indiana Jones for me Mm -hmm. in sort of like well thought out action, like interesting kind of varied methods of fighting. There was some humor, you know, there was a little bit of like uh, romance and intrigue and the mythology was kind of like just... Uh, put together enough that I think someone who wasn't looking to interrogate it would find it pretty, you know, understandable and like coherent.
1: Oh, Jake, you mean Jake.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, listen, Jake asks great and critical questions, but I think mm-hmm. he's primarily there to enjoy things, whereas I'm primarily there to be like, eh, what's wrong with this? Yes,
1: same. Uh, but yeah, I, despite its not great mythology accuracy, I think it's genuinely an enjoyable film. And I think it is a good place for people who are interested in Egyptian mythology to kind of you know, wet their whistle a little and dig deeper if they want to know more, which is a good myth movie night film for us, in my opinion.
0: Oh, totally. I was just going to say I love that about the Myth Movie Nights where we can primarily be here to like have fun, you know, watch a movie, talk about it with the audience. But also it's an invitation and an opportunity. You know, it's hard to just be like, let me learn all of Egyptian mythology. yeah, But being able to say specifically like, okay, well, I wonder what the, you know, kind of rules for who gets mummified and who doesn't, what those are. And then that's a way where you can kind of start diving in in a way that's manageable.
1: Yeah, I agree. So check out more accurate in Egyptian mythology besides the mummy franchise. And uh, remember, listeners, to stay creepy.
0: Stay cool. Thanks again to our sponsors. DoorDash will give you $5 off your first order when you enter code SPIRITS at checkout. HoneyBook is giving you 50% off your first year of HoneyBook at honeybook.com spirits. And Skillshare gives you two free months of Skillshare premium at skillshare.com slash spirits 2 Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider, with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman.
1: Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us at Spirits Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Tumblr. We also have all of our episode transcripts, guest appearances, and merch on our website, as well as a form to send us your urban legends at spiritspodcast.com.
0: Join our member community on Patreon, patreon.com/spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Just $1 gets you access to audio extras with so much more available too, recipe cards, director's commentaries, exclusive merch and real
1: physical gifts. We are a founding member of Multitude, a collective of independent audio professionals. If you like Spirits, you will love the other shows that live on our website at multitude.productions.
0: And above all else, if you liked what you heard today, please share us with your friends. That is the very best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much
1: for listening. Till next time.